It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. We are back at it here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Mateo, back at it here on a Saturday night. You get Heatwave Sports all weekend, a full weekend of shows tonight and tomorrow night as we take you around the world of sports, just like the header said. And Tommy, as I bring in my co-host of over a decade, Mr. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, we get a full weekend together because this is the month where we practically take every other weekend off. <laughs> yeah, just about. Well, it feels like that getting into early uh, early to mid-November as well, so it is one of those rare occasions we get a two-back-to-backer. Yeah, two-back-to-backer, because next weekend we're not on at all. So there you go. Uh, I believe the next week is a one-shower because of the VGKs. Then it's Christmas, then it's New Year's. You know how it goes as we get into... 2023 and it, it, it's uh it's great tom because you know we get to end the new year out with our families and and uh it's also kind of a letdown at some points because there's so much going on especially in the world of football yeah it, it's so much going on it we're talking about the uh, you know the nfl it always seems to feel like it's deeper into the season right and the NFL right now, we're sitting in a position where it's really just right after the All-Star break, right? I mean, it, that's what it would be. In any other sport, it would be right past that. And you, we feel like, well, let's just get the playoffs started already. But now we have the important games. Now we have the games where it really is it, – it's possible we're watching Super Bowl previews this weekend, right? And I'm not talking about just one game. We have potential of – Two Super Bowl preview games, and both of those games might not be the best game on the board, Tim, right? We're now going to start to have those heavyweight matchups. We're going to start having in in football, in the NFL, we're going to have those heavyweight battles that you go, wow, okay, who's going to walk away the champion? We have college football, of course, as well, where it's not just, all right, well, the, the champion, everybody focuses on it. No, people are going for bowl positioning. Right, and the bowl positioning is really an integral part of this as well. So, lots going on in the football, um, but in the overall in the world of sports, though, Tim, right? NHL is starting to get interesting. NBA, uh, it's going to start getting interesting in the next couple of weeks here, as much as the NBA possibly can get interesting. Obviously, everybody wants to talk about the World Cup. Yeah, well, I don't know if we are, but yeah, sure. <laughs> and and with all that being said. Everything going on, college basketball, everything going on, there's a chance, Tim, that Major League Baseball just steals the show each and every week because Major League Baseball's offseason is almost as exciting as anything else that these sports can deliver, and it's going to be the number one topic most nights. Without a doubt, and I'm glad that we have a show tomorrow because we are actually going to spend some time talking Major League Baseball. the uh, winter GM meetings start Monday. And look, 
uh, we'll just touch on it real briefly because it happened, but we can go more in depth tomorrow night. Look, the, you said it on Twitter at Tom Barton Sports. The first shoe fell. Jacob DeGrom, big time money. He's leaving the Big Apple, Tom. He's going down south to Texas, Ron Natty Land. That's, that's signing this early is going to kind of set the precedent for what we're going to see hopefully this week. Yeah, and I, to, to follow up on what I wrote on Twitter, I'm shocked. That the Mets got outbid. I, we will go into it more tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. But I'm shocked that this is the way that it was. Look, I'm not saying it wasn't a bad contract. Mets fans are, well, it was a bad contract. You're right. Giving a five-year contract at $37 million a year to a 33-year-old pitcher who's had arm problems the last two seasons and has made 26 starts in two years might seem foolish, might seem like bad money by the Rangers. I get that. My argument to it was... When you have an owner like Steve Cohen that comes in and he says, I'm the richest owner in the history of baseball, and I'm going to go out here, I'm going to spend every dollar to get every player, and you don't get outbid for Jacob DeGrom. You just don't. Your team is designed around Jacob DeGrom. The New York Mets are designed around, okay, we're going to be very good during the regular season, because of our starting pitching, but it's the playoffs where we we're going to excel with a one-two punch in starting pitching. My argument with Met fans about, hey, you know what? Was it a good contract, bad contract? No, it, it was a bad contract. I have no argument there. Sure, giving five years of that much money to somebody with arm problems, it's, it's not a good contract. With that being said, it's a contract that Steve Cohen had to beat because now the New York Mets are in a position where they went from one of the strongest rotations they lose Chris Bassett, who walked away. You don't worry. I mean, you, you don't worry about Max Scherzer most years. I'm starting to worry about him now that, with the age. I have to worry about Carlos Carrasco. You have David Peterson's coming in at number five. Oh, their, their rotation that once was dynamic with Scherzer one, DeGrom two, Bassett three. Oh, oh man, all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's, wow. We hope that Scherzer kind of keeps this thing together. And now we're going to have to win games with our offense. What do they do here? How do they pivot away from Jacob DeGrom? That is the new story. And please, like Tommy said, tune in tomorrow night. We're going to really dive into the, the upcoming Major League Baseball winter meetings. Uh, where's where's a, uh, where's the judge going to go, right, Tom? Where is Where are the four shortstops going? The, four, the big four, Swanson and Xander and Correa, and Turner, where are they going to go? We're going to give all of our predictions tomorrow night on it. Just one, one last note on, the, on you mentioned Steve Phillips, and we'll move on to the, the pigskin. Because he got outbid, and I mentioned this to you yesterday, because he got outbid, is a guy like that uh, now overpaying for guys to try to make up for the fact that he lost out on that arm? Yeah, that that's going to be interesting to see. He wants to be this bravado, this this big-time guy to come in and kind of throw money at a, at a problem. But we watched it. He came in, guys, and he didn't throw money at a problem. He wound up getting Francisco Lindor, which has so far been his big thing. Now, he did overpay for Edwin Diaz, but it's not like he's come in here and bought a team with the New York Mets. Scherzer was an overpay. Edwin Diaz was an overpay, sure. Uh, but how much... Is he going to continue to do it? What is the pivot here? The pivot is the obvious pivot is go get Justin Verlander. That's what Met fans want. 
That is the obvious choice. It makes sense. He takes over. He fills in the DeGrom role. You still have that kind of one-two combination. But if you were worried about Jacob DeGrom, you better be worried about Verlander. I know he's coming off of a Cy Young year. I get it. But he's off of a full season of arm surgery. He is a guy that missed all last year. He's a guy that's into his 40s now. I don't trust Jacob DeGrom. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Justin Verlander, to all of a sudden just be the guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he'll be up there, sure, if he's healthy. So there are question marks. What about Carlos Rodon? Everybody wants, oh, well, Carlos Rodon. Maybe Steve Cohen overpays for him. Yeah, maybe. He's also uh, not exactly a bastion of health, right? I mean, this guy has more arm injuries than Jacob deGrom. Younger, sure. Cheaper, yeah. But he's got more arm injuries. I wonder how the Mets are going to panic. Met fans here are all already on, go get Rodon, go get Verlander, and go get Trey Turner. And that's what they want. Okay, go. let's go throw money at it. Hey, those three guys are spectacular if you get those three guys. But if you miss out and you're throwing money on lesser arms and mediocre guys, and, and now you're panicking, this is going to be more of the same for the New York Mets, which is, hey, you know what? We outthought ourselves. We got too cute, and this is a problem. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heat Wave Sports, Saturday night. We'll talk NFL football in hour two. I did want to devote some time, though, Tom, to what we saw today in that, um, well, today and yesterday, right? All four of the ranked, top-ranked teams for the CFP were in action. And as the day comes to a close, number one and two, Georgia, Michigan, they're going to advance into the playoff. TCU, which was three, USC, four, lose. Bama and Ohio, or Ohio State, it's five, Bama, six. So they didn't play. What's going to happen here, Tom, with all the madness? Four teams in, two of them lost, two waiting on the edge. You know, what's going to happen or what should happen might be two very different questions. I don't, I don't sit around and kind of just watch certain shows and, you know, waste my morning on, on certain situations. But this morning I had a, a unique opportunity. I woke up early and uh, I, I sat around and I watched game day and I watched college game day for over two hours. And over the course of that two hours, the constant theme that they kept mentioning, but not making a highlight was how Alabama might get back into this conversation. And it was started as kind of a tongue in cheek and it started as kind of a joke. And then it started building, and then it started building. And it builds so much that Kurt Herbstreet made a mention multiple times saying, guys, I, I don't think TCU has anything to worry about. No matter what happens, TCU's in. They had the committee chairman on, still talking about, well, we don't know. We're not sure. And now the argument really does begin, Ohio State or Alabama, if it's not TCU already in. I think TCU is a lock. I do. And I, you know I don't use the L word when it comes to sports betting, but I could use it for this. I think TCU is a lock. Had they gone out here and lost, you know, I don't know, 35 to 13 or something like that, maybe you could argue against it. But this this is a lock. This, this team's in. They lost by going for it on the one-inch line. They lost a game in overtime. And they finish off with one season with one loss. I think they're in, Tim. 
I think Ohio State and Alabama is the conversation. And when you see what Michigan can do and you see what they've continued to do, you almost have to put Ohio State in there. But that game does look rough. Michigan lost or Michigan beat them without their starting running back. Michigan absolutely destroyed this team. And Ohio State, all of a sudden, their resume starts to look weird. I can't believe we're talking about Alabama being maybe back in here. But a lot of the arguments that I will give for Alabama, I can give to them. And a lot of the arguments are, well, you know what? Look, at the end of the day, this is a team that, you know, what, what? I mean, they didn't make their conference championship game. They didn't even play the conference championship game. That, that should eliminate you immediately, immediately. But we've watched in the past, it doesn't. We've watched Alabama in the past, Tim, and Alabama beat Alabama and get the, the favoritism. Alabama won a national championship, guys, in a year where they lost at home in conference, did not win their conference, did not play in their conference championship game. They went on to be selected to go to the national championship game and still won that. So nothing shocks me anymore. You know, I I, I was out with Abby today and Abby saying, I mean, there's no way Alabama gets in, right? I mean, I mean, there's just no way. And that's how people are kind of dealing with it all, all day in the hypothetical. What if this and what if that? And what if this and what is that? Well, well maybe. The, and it all comes back to us just not trusting the system, system so much that we're saying, you know what? Alabama might get into him. They, they might. I don't think they do because I want to have some faith in the system. I don't think they do, Tim, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if all of a sudden we wake up and Alabama's the fourth team and they scramble to rationalize their their idea well, well, the powerful SEC. Yeah, I saw Nick Saban in an interview and his, um, I guess his, I mean, how do I put this? The way he he presented it was that what was how does he feel that Alabama should go in over Ohio State? And his answer was, we play in the SEC and we've won our last three games. That's what he said. But there was yeah. oh yeah, yep. no, that was it. We play in the SEC and we won our last three games. And and you and I over the years we we've sat red faced at watching this team make the playoffs when they shouldn't have. We like you said we've seen them go because they won the SEC. We've seen them go when they didn't even play in the SEC title game. They lost in an SEC title game and went and still ended up winning the national title. So, yeah, I agree. I think Ohio State's resume is better. Um, but more people are talking about how can Alabama get in rather than why you, Ohio State should be in. And that, that makes you worried, even though supposedly, Tom, this is a computer system, right? This isn't human error. It's uh, all systematic, but who knows, man? I, I don't know. You know, it, it, it's funny because if you go back to the origin, people like, you hate Alabama. I'm like, Listen, I don't. Well, at least I didn't. Now I do. And, and Herb Street made a mention to it today, going back to him. He said, in the history of the college football playoff, there's actually been more questionable calls if Ohio State should get in than Alabama. And, and you know what? He's right. But... Going back in time, the reason I hate Alabama, it isn't even really their fault. The reason that I started to, I, I mean, we're talking a decade ago, but I started to really look at the SEC and go, 
It's a joke. It's actually completely and utterly overrated. It's completely full of itself. The reason why is because of that year, Tim. The Alabama Crimson Tide lost to LSU at home. At home. Did not play in their conference championship. Did not play in a conference championship game. Was still invited to go to, to <laughs> come on to the national championship. They now uh, had the difficult task did LSU to beat a team twice in a season. Couldn't get it done. Alabama's the national champions in a year where they absolutely had no right to do it. And I did research at the time. If you remember, I had gone back and I think it was something like in 108 years of college football, there was never a team that lost at home in conference that also didn't make their championship game that went on to even compete for the national championship, let alone win it. It had not happened in a hundred and something years. As a matter of fact, it had not happened in 108 years that a team that didn't win their conference, didn't even play in their conference championship game, would win the national championship. So Alabama has broken every rule. Alabama has broken every expectation about college football. Alabama and the favoritism towards Alabama has gone out there and become a laughingstock, and it really turned people off about college football and the system that we have. If they do it again here, Tim, it wouldn't shock me because they just don't care. They are in your face. Here's what we're going to do. You can't stop us. We're pushing Alabama. And they do it all the time. Uh, but do I think it's good for the sport? Absolutely not. My my one argument here is, is it good for the bottom line? A lot of people go, well, they put Alabama in because of the money. Well, Ohio State still draws the money as well. And I still believe and I've said this a million times, and I will go to my grave saying this. I still believe that in college basketball, the ultimate college basketball final matchup that they have been wanting for 30-something years is Duke, North Carolina, right? I mean, that's what they want. That's that's what they want. Well, I think in the NFL, in, in college football, the ultimate battle it out for a championship is Michigan, Ohio State. But, Tim, Ohio State could once again do what Alabama did as well. Ohio State could be a team that lost to Michigan in the regular season. Michigan did their job, knocked them off, knocked them out of the playoff picture, yet might lose to them in the playoffs. Watch Ohio State be crowned the champion, and we go back to the exact reason why I hate Alabama, the reason why I hate the SEC, the reason why I hate this playoff system, the reason why I, I am just down on college football as a whole and has been ruined for me for a decade, could happen again with all of a sudden Ohio State playing Michigan. Let's just let's handicap it early. Obviously, we'll talk about it once it's official. As uh, well, on one of the sh- one of the few shows we have this month, we'll get a chance to talk about it. But say it is <clears throat> Georgia, Michigan. TCU in, like you said, and Ohio State gets it. Those are the four. Um, can anybody beat Georgia, Tom? I mean, they, don't they just seem like they're on this different level? And I know they're the defending champions, but when you look at Georgia, does it just look like it's a steamroll for them? Not really. Uh, I mean, I, no, you're right. It looks like that. Uh, but I think that Michigan is still a little underrated for whatever reason. You look at Michigan, and you're talking about an offense in Ohio State 
that was supposed to be, I mean, we're, we're talking about all world offense, right? An offense that absolutely is going to light everybody up, light everybody on fire. This, this is, people are talking about it, and I was one of them, as being record-breaking, one of the greatest offenses in college football history. And Michigan generally had their way with them, right? I mean, they generally said, yeah, well, not a problem here. Michigan had that with, with what they've done this year. Michigan's defense is absolutely for real. Their offense has come around. You can run the ball. If you can run the ball, yeah, Georgia is vulnerable. Look, I look at Michigan's schedule. and Obviously, the Colorado State's, the Hawaii's, the Connecticut, you know, who cares, right? But I, I look at Michigan's st- schedule and I go, let's see. They took on Iowa, which I think we all can attest to as a top 10 defense in the country, put up 27 on that defense. Then... They took on Penn State, another really good defense, put up 41 on that defense. Okay. They go out there and take on, obviously, Ohio State. Great offense. Held that great offense to 23. Today against Purdue, look, they struggled for a little while. Struggled, Tim. They still won by 21 points. I don't think we give Michigan the credit for just absolutely breezing through their games. The one game they had a close game was was right before Ohio State. It was an obvious game that they were in a look-ahead mode. Everything else has not been really close. It really blew most teams out. Now you look at, at Georgia. and I, This is not to me to be bashing Georgia. They should be the favorites. But I do think Michigan's a team that can knock them off. Look, Georgia beat up on Oregon, but I think we all know Oregon wasn't that team, right? Yet Kent State played close with Georgia throw up 22 on them. Are we are we really sitting back and saying, okay, unranked Missouri, four-point win against four-point win against an unranked Missouri team, Tim. Mm-hmm. Don't call me impressed, right? Beating up on Vanderbilt's and Auburn's. Florida had a down year. All right, they took on Tennessee. Hey, that game was very much in doubt at times, right? 14-point win. I know Tennessee is, is an offensive team. I get it. But that was that was somewhat of a close game. How about Kentucky? Kentucky's defense held Georgia to 16 points, Tim. Kentucky's defense held them to 16 points. Missouri's defense held them to 26 points. It's not like this offense is all explosion and all go crazy. I mean, we watched what they did against LSU today, but LSU's defense isn't great. If you could play good defense against them, Kentucky put together the game plan. But Kentucky stole a lot of things from Missouri. If you could put together a game plan, even Tennessee played close, and you're able to make that defense, okay, you know what? You're going to be great. But can you play on short fields? Can you play uh, you know, on back-to-backs? Can we run on you? If you could keep Georgia to the mid-20s, I think Michigan's very much in play. And I think that they're going to be the best defense that they've played all year. And I don't know how much it factors in. Um, if you remember last year, I know Harbaugh remembers the way Georgia just beat them up in the semifinal game. So maybe if they meet up in the final, that there's a little bit of a uh, motivation there for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, there's definitely motivation. I mean, it is a national championship. You shouldn't need some. But, yeah, of course there's going to be. My, my, my thing with Georgia is also this. It's how many games can you win in a row? We want to look at this team and say, okay, they're going to steamroll everybody. They're not, or they shouldn't be, considered an all-time great team yet. Now, if they complete the, the task, they will be. 
But Tim, do you look at this team? Do the names come flying off of your lips that are just elite next level guys? Do you look at this Georgia team as one of the greatest teams in the history of college football? Because I don't. I think they're very good, but I think they're also beatable. I've watched every one of their games. There are times where I go, yeah, Georgia, Georgia's beatable. Right? I mean, you, if you can stifle that offense, and Stetson Bennett's a great story, but he's going to be going up against very potentially the best defense he's ever seen. This is either going to be one of those games where Georgia just absolutely crushes Michigan. You look at this game and you go, uh, you know, 40 to 10 type of thing. Or Michigan's got a real chance to upset them. I don't think Ohio State does because you're going to have to kind of get that offense going, an offense that fluttered against Michigan's defense. Georgia's defense is absolutely fantastic. I don't think Ohio State can do it. We know Alabama is going to be able to at least hang in there. Uh, but overall, I don't think Alabama's got the guns. TCU is a nice story, but TCU is going to absolutely lose. It's it. It's Michigan. We don't even need four team playoffs this year, right? This is a year we need two. We need Michigan. We need Georgia. And that's that. Yeah. We will see who the four are. Oh, I think it's Tuesday they announce it. So. Tim, here's what, before we go to break, real quick. Here's the interesting scenario, though. College football players, let's just say they, they do what we think that they're going to do, and they're going to put Ohio State in and not Alabama, right? Right. Is TCU the three seed or the four seed? Because Ohio State, Georgia, round one is going to get Georgia fans pretty upset, and Michigan gets a pretty breeze kind of matchup in TCU if they're the three seed. If it's the other way around, we get Michigan, Ohio State in round one? Wow, that's pretty big. And then, of course, Georgia gets to roll over TCU. I think TCU deserves to be three. But i that's thats the monkey wrench. I think that they're going to be the four seed. I do, too, just because Ohio State's five. And, look, when you lose, you drop. That's just the way it goes, right? And when you win, you, you generally rise. So I think they flip-flop there. And you get you get what you just talked about it. What do whether it's supposed to be on the up and up or not, Tom? What do people want to see? Let's do Michigan Ohio State one more time, right? We can guarantee that in the semifinal round. Right, absolutely. And it's going to be one of those spots where you go, well, we got a Big Ten team moving on against Georgia. Yeah, everyone's happy. It's time to take the first quick break here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. When we come back, a little more college football. Deion Sanders, new coach in Colorado. We'll get Tom's thoughts on that. And then there's an opening here in Las Vegas. We didn't get to talk about it, but UNLV head coaching position is open. We'll look at the candidates with Tom Barton when we come back from this timeout. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. The New Orleans Saints head on into Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers in a showdown in the Sunshine State. Listen in Monday at 5 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Chevrolet Dealers. By now, you've heard that Dollar Loan Center is offering free loans this holiday season. But how much does it really cost after the free week? Let's say you borrow $1,000. The first week is on us, and after that, it'll only cost you $5.50 per day. 
keep it out another day, week, or a year. That's your call. If you need that $1,000 for an additional week, it would cost you less than 40 bucks in interest. Really, zero fees and free interest on the loan for a full week, and that's up to five grand. How about this? You take out a loan of $500 and one week later pay back only the same $500. Need it longer? A $500 loan costs $2.75 per day in interest. No catch, no fees. Apply at don'tbebroke.com or find a DLC near you to learn about our free holiday loans. Funeral means if you pay off your loan one week or less, the interest is free. You're still required to repay the principal amount. Licensed by the Nevada Financial Institutions Division. Payment amounts based on by weekly pay frequency with annual percentage rate of 199.99%. For additional cost information, call 866-550-4352. Certain limitations may apply. Loans are subject to approval. News 3 takes on the task of investigating our school system. Parents, students, staff, do you believe that the district is doing enough to keep everyone safe in the classroom? Crisis in the classroom, from overcrowding to COVID-19, from school safety to staff shortages. News 3 will dig deeper into the crisis in the classroom and hold school leaders accountable. And we want to hear from you. Go to news3lv.com, send us your tip or story idea, and watch Crisis in the Classroom on News 3 Live at 6, leading the way in Las Vegas. Looking to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy? Go to Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas's oldest independent health food retailer, in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. The most knowledgeable staff, the best of everything in every single department. So never cut corners on your health and well-being. Go to Stay Healthy Health Food Store because you deserve the best. Located at 840 South Rancho Drive on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston in the Smith Center. Open Monday through Friday 9 to 6 and closed on Sundays. See you soon. Brian Feldman is out of line Sunday mornings at 8 on Fox Sports Radio. We're going to welcome in Kevin Kruger. Thanks for having me. Leaving Oklahoma to come to Las Vegas in basically the same role would appear to be a step backward. But UNLV to me is the pinnacle. The place in my heart that UNLV has from time in Vegas and time as a running rebel wasn't a step back to me. What is Kevin Kruger the coach of Get wins or die trying, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we want to play hard. We want to have fun, though. Catch out of line with Brian Feldman every Sunday morning at 8 right here on Fox Sports Radio. You know, there's nothing I hate more than dishonest business practices. So I built the company GiveMeTheVin.com around this slogan. We do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. We'll treat you with the respect that you deserve, and we pay too much for good cars. Show up at your house, check in hand, pay off your payoff. It's just that simple. GiveMeTheVin.com, America's best car buyer. Sell us your car. GiveMeTheVin.com, so easy you can do it in your underwear. Carry on, all the way to your locally owned Meineke, your one-stop shop for total car care. With Meineke e-inspection, you'll know the problem and the fix. We'll send real-time updates, photos, and technician notes straight to your phone. Engine, brakes, tires, oil. Meineke, doing car care right. At participating locations, terms and conditions apply. Stop in today and get a premium synthetic blend oil change for just $29.95. Hello, everybody. Brent Musburger here to tell you about this year's fabulous Las Vegas Bowl. This December 17th, the FCC and the Pac-12 get it on. It's East Coast versus West Coast in a heavyweight matchup in the entertainment capital of the world. It's big hits. It's big plays. It's Vegas, baby. The SEC, the Pac-12. It's the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Get your tickets today at LVBowl.com. Get it on. This is JT for Grimaldi's Pizzeria, cold-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have for anyone craving great pizza. Locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. 
In the world of sports betting, winning is everything, and that's where CompuPix comes in. To win consistently, you need an edge, the extra knowledge that'll help you win more. For over a decade, the sports betting analysts at CompuPix have helped sports investors win more. CompuPix uses a state-of-the-art algorithmic software program that analyzes every line the sportsbooks produce and capitalizes on their mistakes. Last season, CompuPix hit over 62%. Sign up today with no obligation and receive three days of free plays. Click on CompuPix.com. That's CompuPix.com. Hello, Southern Nevada. Ashley here from Jaguar Land Rover Henderson. Tis the season. We're partnering with Faith in Humanity Las Vegas for our first annual toy drive. Join us by dropping off your new and unwrapped toy donations at our showroom located at 360 North Gibson Road in Henderson, now through December 3rd. Let's help make this holiday season special for all local families in need. At Jaguar Land Rover Henderson, we're always striving to go above and beyond for our community. Thank you. Hey, Zach, what are we going to do if someone needs their drain cleared? I'll send a drain technician to clear your drain for just $80. $80 is a great price. Are they going to use a drain cable? Yep, an extra long 30-foot one. Kettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, GOE TTL. Oh, man, I deposited more money into my account, and I lost it all again. I just can't seem to win consistently. I wish I could go back and grab Biff's Sports Almanac. (laughs) Well, I don't need a Sports Almanac ever since I signed up at Tom Barton Sports. Sure, he can't predict the future, but it sure seems like he can at times. Tom Barton Sports has been in business for more than a decade, and he's yet to have a losing season in any sport, and it's all documented. And no, Tom Barton Sports doesn't claim to win something ridiculous like 90% of the time, but he has made me a profit month after month, year after year. Well, how could he possibly win so much? He says there's no systems or gimmicks. It's just pure hard work, day in and day out, studying teams, analyzing angles, and getting the best values. Basically, while we're out of time, he has the time. All right, Marty. Well, I'm ready to sign up. How do I make my future better? It's really simple. Just go to TomBartonSports.com and sign up. There's no extra fees or phone calls at all. Every play is just right there available on the site or emailed to you. Thanks again. It seems that Tom Barton Sports is the future of sports handicapping. Tom Barton Sports is an informational site only and does not accept wagers. Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. College football. Topic of discussion here on Heatwave Sports. Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. You can find us over on Twitter at Tom Barton Sports and at HW Sports. And speaking of Tom Barton Sports, Tom, I, I might as well just record it once and just keep playing it every week because it doesn't really nothing much more to say other than uh, burning up the charts on fire. You're the hot take. I, I don't even know what else to, how else to describe it, man. Yeah, I am on one of the, uh, one of the greatest like two, three month runs I've ever had at Tom Barton sports. And, it, and I'm getting seemingly hotter every single day. Look, two and one yesterday, another win Friday uh, this week, uh, we're looking at an eight and two record this week. In the NFL, guys, uh, uh, that's obviously where everybody kind of looks out and wants to stare at the NFL. I do all sports, okay? Let me just explain that. I do everything, all sports. You're including it all today. I had a college football game. I had two college basketball games. I went two and one, okay? Uh, The night before that, college basketball game. Before that, NHL. So this week I had an NFL play. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, an NBA play. But since everybody always wants to talk nothing but NFL, 
Guys, in the past 30 days in the NFL, past month, I am 12-2-2 in the NFL. Go look at my record. And again, I'm documented. I'm verified. Not only that, I give out free plays on not only this show, but also on the Believe Podcast Network on a, a free play video. You can go check it out. It comes out hours before game time. I am 7-0, and oh, seven straight weeks in the NFL. I am 8-2 and two my last 10 in college football, including a win today. There's nobody that is more on fire than TomBartonSports.com. TomBartonSports.com right now is setting every record. And here's the thing. No one can question me. There's not one person that could go out there and say, I don't believe you. There's no way somebody's this hot. There's no way somebody just came off of a December where you hit nearly 75%. There's no way. And I go, listen, I don't even, the documentation is great that we have verified sites. I have places like Capertech to go check me out. That's great. Okay. And, and those places do help me out. Those places absolutely are a judgment point. It's something that you can't shy away from. They put out the games right after the game kicks off. You can't get away from that. Yes. But people still somehow, Tim, don't believe document sites. So TomBartonSports.com. How about this guys? I'm putting out plays all over social media, all over for free before the games go off. I'm putting out some plays just to show you guys there's more to come. Yeah, I'm seven and zero in seven straight weeks in the NFL. But how about twelve and two over the last thirty days? How about on the year hitting seventy percent in the NFL? That is TomBartonSports.com, documented, verified, and just red, red, red hot. Tommy, I know I've asked you this year after year after year, but just in case it changed or there's new listeners or maybe maybe they didn't catch it, does Tom Barton Sports mess around with the bowl game? Do you do anything with that? Is it game by game situation just like it is during the the uh, regular season? Yeah, it's game by game. Uh, I mean, you you have to approach you don't you don't change it up. You approach everything the way that you would approach every other game. You know, FCS is something that has all their playoffs the last two, two weeks. People out there, they'll just overlook the FCS. No, you handicap every single game exactly the same. You you are going to sit back and want to jump into every bowl game. Why? Because they're on TV. You want to watch them. No, it's not the way to make money. You pick, you choose. Over the course of the next, we'll say, month and a half until the championship game, I'm including the championship game and everything, Tim, I'll probably bet – probably give to my clients about 10 bowl games. That's a, a solid amount. 10 bowl games, and you're hoping to win seven. And look, if I win six, it's moneymaker, right? You want to win seven. That's about that's about right. Now, I might do a double side on a bowl game. I might uh, like a team and a total. But you have to narrow it down. You have to literally just look at a matchup and say, there's no reason to bet this matchup. As a matter of fact, as the bowl season gets a little bit thicker, and you get more at stake. Usually, Tim, those games are are worse to handicap. Usually, those games are the the games that you look at and you go, "Yeah, I don't want to go near that one. It's too good of a game. It's too close of a line." Possibility that uh, Tim may go maybe bowling here in a couple weeks. Now, this is projections from Jerry Palm over at CBS Sports and. He's usually he's usually got some insider knowledge, Tom, of, of where some of these teams are going. And of course, there are conference affiliations tied in with a lot of these bowl games. But 
So, obviously, being a Maryland Terps fan on the football, basketball, baseball side of things, lacrosse, whatever, soccer, I like Maryland. We know that. So, a lot of places have um, them playing a game back east. Jerry Palm, Tommy, as of tonight, has them in the guarantee rate bowl against Oklahoma. That game will be played in Phoenix on the 27th. If it goes that way, I may be going to check out the Terps in a bowl. That's pretty cool. And, and, and that would be a good bowl game. You know, people look at Oklahoma as this power of the, oh, man, you can't beat them. And Maryland's had a good season, Tim. And Maryland, yeah, that, that's a team that I'm looking at and I'm saying, yeah, that, that, that could be an interesting one. Where do they have, uh, where do they have Washington going? Washington uh, Huskies. So, again, this is Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com. Generally, he's, he's right on a lot of this, so let me let me find them for you here, Tom. As he's got every every bowl game predicted out. And he, by the way, Tom, he does have Ohio State and Georgia in the first round. So, that, yeah, I think that I mean, I think that that's what it has to be almost. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just think that TCU is going to get screwed here. I really do. Um, not that it really matters, uh, but I, I think it actually, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I hope I hope he's right. That's what I want to see. That's what everybody sort of wants to see. But we know that they don't care what we want to see. They're going to just put through whoever's going to make the most money. Alamo Bowl, Texas versus Washington. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. There's going to be a lot of good bowls this year because while the, the college football landscape this year was not anything but top-heavy, right? you got the two clear elite teams. We're not even arguing really who should go in. We're going, ah, that's a lesser two you. We have two clear elite teams. Outside of those two clear elite teams, sometimes it falls off. This year, I feel like we have about 15 to 17 other teams that are real good teams. I mean – Look at a team like Florida State. Guys, Florida State beat LSU already this year. Florida State's finishing the season. Well, they're, they're ranked 13th now. They're going to finish the season probably right inside the top 10. Um, that's a team that no one's talking about. Nobody cares about. Look, look at Utah. Utah is going to be a top 10 team, win the Pac-12. There's going to be some good games out there. How about North Carolina? North Carolina is a good team. You know, There's going to be some games out there that pit real good team against real good team even if they're not national championship level. I think the Bulls get announced Monday. Sunday, either is it tomorrow or Monday, I believe, is when they announce them. So we'll keep our eye on that as well. But with the end of a football season comes coaching changes, et cetera. All that factors into to bowl handicapping as well. But let's look at uh, first before we do the the coaching change here locally in Las Vegas, how about the one tonight that, kind of been rumored about he did his best to defer it till after the SWAC championship game, but looks like Deion Sanders and Colorado have come to terms on him being the new head coach. There is probably going to be around the $5 million mark, Tommy, that they're going to pay neon Dion to be the coach here per year. Your thoughts on uh, Sanders. Now the guy in Colorado. Look, I think, I think it's a good move for both Dion here. And Colorado. Um, Deion Sanders, you, you don't want to jump too far. I think he's a good football coach, but I don't think coaching football is his life right now. And, and I'm being presumptuous. I'm just 
giving it out there. Look, see him in every commercial. I still see him you know, working for uh, stations. I still see him doing interviews. I still see him uh, you know, being that guy. He's not 100% committed to just being a college football coach yet. So you don't want to take the jump into a huge job. Colorado's a good job, though. Colorado is a job where the expectations are very, very low. They love the name of Dion. He becomes what the franchise is needed, what the university is needed, is a name since, what, since like Darian Hagan and Cordell Stewart. I mean, right? That's, remember the Darian Hagan in the, in the end zone? I mean, that's really what Colorado has been. Eric Bieniemy. since those days, they haven't had that name really attached to that program. So it's a good move for Colorado. It's a good move for Dion to go to a team like Colorado. You get into, you know, that upper echelon, but your team doesn't isn't expected to be upper echelon. I think the ultimate goal, and I know it because obviously my wife's an alumni, everybody wants Dion to coach Florida State. It makes sense. That's the eventual destination. That's where you want to be. But he's not ready for that yet. I'm actually, I'm looking at this and I'm going, I, I actually think he may have overjumped a little bit. I thought going to, uh, you know, a MAC team would have been okay. I thought going to some some team like that, but no, okay. I, I get I get the thought process. You go to Colorado. There's absolutely no expectations in Colorado. You can kind of get your footing as to how a real big program works, as opposed to you know uh, uh, Jackson State. A real big big program works. And here's the thing: I think Colorado is one of those schools that people don't realize they have money. So they're gonna they're gonna be able to get into these nil deals, and that will help out Deion Sanders as well. That hey, well, you guys have money. Well, if I want somebody, you're gonna have to go find him. You're gonna have to go pay this kid. And now that's a different world. So I, I like it. I like it from both sides. I think it's a good. It's a surprising landing spot for me. I know all the rumors has been Colorado for a while, but if you would have asked me, you know, 365 days ago where Dion is going to coach, I, I would think that Colorado would not have made my list of top 20 rolling it off the top of my head. Maybe that's me just not understanding uh, the landscape, but I, I didn't think that Colorado was going to be that kind of player, but they are. They paid him well. Dion's going there. I think he's going to have success there. I think he's going to eventually kind of just go all in on the coaching search, and it might happen right now, or on the coaching front, and it might happen right now. Yeah, I, it's a good move for Colorado, good move for Dion. I don't think it's his last move. I, I, I think that Dion is certainly using – the Colorado Buffaloes as a stepping stone. And I, I don't know Dion. I haven't talked to him. I don't think he takes that job unless they overpay, which they absolutely did, right? If, if that number is true, Tom, or anywhere near it, how can you turn that money down? And the way he looks at it is, like you just said, it's a stepping stone. I can go to the Pac-12, continue to build, continue to recruit, and they're going to pay me a boatload of money. Where do I sign up? I've done what I've He took Jackson State as far as he can go, right? Undefeated season, SWAC championship. And now he's headed to bigger, greener pastures. We saw it, and I'm, I'm with you 100%. He's taking the next level step on to another step. So the only two jobs that I saw him attached to were obviously with all the firings that happened or, or resignations was Colorado and then I don't know if this rumor started locally or not, but UNLV, which on Monday, Marcus Arroyo was relieved of his duties. And uh, I was 100% behind that. So here we go again, right, Tom? Whether it's basketball, football, when it's the head coaching search, we get all pumped up to see 
who the new person's going to be. I can promise you UNLV wasn't out nowhere near. Off, if they did offer Dion, it was nowhere near what Colorado offered him, and that's one of the reasons why he's not here. But your thoughts first on uh, Arroyo being gone, and, and now who are some of the names you're hearing over there on the East Coast because we have the West Coast Vegas bias out here of our media thinks they can just throw names out because that's just what they want to do to make a name for themselves. But I want to know maybe some of the names you've heard sneak out back east by reputable media members. Yeah, well, let, let, let's just touch on the first thing first, and, and then I'll get into Royal. Uh, just last last comment about Dion. Until you told me, Tom, people are really believing that Dion's going to come to UNLV. I, 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 w- I was laughing it off. I thought it was, <laughs> was nothing but a joke. He, there was no way. There was zero percent chance he was ever coming to UNLV. People are like, well, he stopped there one day, or you know, oh, he's got a son that kind of likes uh, the grammar school. No, 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 no. Yeah, don't reach for connections. It's the job opportunity. Going from Jackson's to Indiana. Listen, this is going to sound so insulting, but I'm talking about in Deion Sanders' mind, going from Jackson State to UNLV is a sideways move at best. You wanted to get into a Power 5 school. That's obvious. Now, obviously, they paid him as well, but th- he wanted to do that. And, and yeah, I never believed Dion was actually even in competition for UNLV, seriously. No, not, not. Oh, look, could he have met with them even? Yeah, maybe, but this is, I'm serious. As far as Arroyo going, again, I'm shocked. I wrote you guys. I said, I'm shocked. Look at, listen, I'm not saying it wasn't the right move because I'm pleasantly shocked if I'm UNLV and the Rebel supporters. I think it was absolutely time to go make that change. It just wasn't the UNLV way. They usually last with a guy for like 10 years of futility before they go and make a move, right? They always give a guy at least a year or two after the time they should have fired him. Here they would be proactive. So I got to tip my hat to UNLV. I think that it was a, look, Arroyo, just like Sanchez, when it was hired, when they were hired, I came out here and I said, I don't like them. I don't like the hiring. They can be great guys. And Mark Sanchez, uh, you know, was was the greatest guy of all time. And, oh, oh, yeah, oh, nice dude. Didn't like the hire. Arroyo came in here. I said, I don't like the hire. So the firing was great. I think it's a great thing for UNLV. But the question is always, who's coming up next? You asked me for potentials. Well, some of the names I'm hearing are basically kind of some of the names that I am hearing um, at home as well as through Las Vegas. I know... I read somewhere in Las Vegas that Mike Stoops, Gary Patterson, Scott Frost are on the on the, the docket. Look, there's not one of those names that has been resonated outside of Las Vegas. Could I see Frost doing something like that? Maybe. But I don't think he wants to, I don't know, take that much of a downturn. You know, I don't, I, I, you got to remember, people are like, oh, well, he went to Nebraska. Yeah, he went to UCF before that. And UCF is a much, much better university and a much better uh, football school than UNLV will ever be. I mean, you know, and that's UCF. If Scott Frost wanted to go back and go to USF, who's got an opening, he probably could. I, I, I don't think Frost, it wouldn't shock me, but I don't think Frost is really that name. As far as Stoops and Patterson, the only people I hear reporting that is UNLV. The only people. Um, I have heard uh, uh, the, the former UNLV quarterback, the offensive coordinator of the Eagles, I don't know if during a playoff run, 
you know, Shane's going to come over here and do that. And you mentioned Keenan McCardle to me. I think he's the obvious name. He will be, it'll be his first head coaching job. He's the wide receiver coach for the Vikings right now. So he's got a little bit of support. He's a name brand. That's the guy that, that I had heard as well. But with all this, and, and, and oh, by the way, Ryan Grubb is a name that I had heard as well, uh, Washington offensive coordinator. But I also pay attention to Washington sports, um, Washington Husky sports a lot. With all that said, I don't think any of them are the answer. I've said it time and time again, and it not it's not just UNLV. It is overall. I like a coach that has taken something lesser with a program and shown that he can win. I don't necessarily – I look, I do it with the NFL too. I don't necessarily love assistant coaches that have never had head coaching experience. I certainly don't like high school coaches coming out here and getting their first head coaching experience. I don't like guys getting their first head coaching experience that has have never been a head coach before. It's just not something that I can back. Offensive coordinators, Keenan McCardell, he's, he's the name UNLV is probably going to settle on, make the fan base happy. He's a brand name. He's a UNLV guy. And I can't say it's a terrible hire. I understand where they're where they're going. But it shows me they're not actually committed to winning. They're more committed to, hey, he's one of us. You want to go out there and win, Tim? I got a couple of names for you. I got three names for you. You want to go out there and win? Go get Jay Hill. I know people going, who's Jay Hill? Jay Hill is the head coach of Weber State University. Okay? Weber State. He's been an assistant head coach at big-time college programs like University of Utah uh, quite a bit, okay? He spent a long time with them. He played for Utah. Utah's obviously uh, his big goal in time, it looks like, but the reality is Jay Hill has won everywhere he's gone. Record with Weber State, 67-38. and 38. Age, he's 47 years old. Good situation. This guy consistently has his teams right there, right winning. Um, since 2017, Tim, 11-3, and 10-3, and 11-4, 5-1, which you know went to the playoff because of that was 2020. 6-5, 9-2. and That's what you're going to get. Jay Hill is a name that they should be talking about. How about you go out there, you want, you want, want, want somebody fun? You want somebody that's a winner? 42-year-old Jason Candle, who is now serving as his 14th year in Toledo, right? I, I mean, he was the offensive coordinator uh, for Jason uh, for Matt Campbell there. Yeah, now, he, now he's there at, at Toledo, 45 and 27, Tim, in six years. 45 and 27. So he's got head coaching experience. He's done it with Toledo. He won Matt Coach of the Year in 2017. Matt Coach of the Year, he could be up for it again this year. Jason Candle, another guy, young guy, has proven that he could win, proven he could win with a program that in Toledo, that is right on par with UNLV. And then the name that I mentioned the last time, I got a lot of pullback from this, and I'll mention it again. No, I don't think he leaves. But Ken Niamatoloto has UNLV ties. He is a guy that will walk in. He will give this team dignity. He will give it class, and he will give it wins. Ken Niamatoloto is one of the best coaches in the country. I've been saying it. Uh, for the better part of a decade, this guy is fantastic. And leaving Navy for a big ticket price, yeah, I think he would. You would probably have to pry him away because Navy is a better football program than UNLV. But I think you could you could pry him away. So those are the three names that I would go with. They are experienced. 
guys that have experienced success at a level that is on par or a little bit less than UNLV. They are winners. They are head coaches. And they're all relatively young, which means you can build on them for years to come and let them him become that guy that everybody looks at at UNLV. Those are my choices. If you were to tell me <clears throat> tomorrow that Gary Patterson was the new head coach at UNLV, sign me up. I love it. I don't know oh, why I he would come it. here. I, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Would be awesome, but why would he come here? He, he has no reason to. He's he's established <clears throat> um, winning at pretty much the highest level, other than winning a national title. So, no. But there's a name that I did see creep in, and I kind of like it too. Tom, head coaching experience. He won. He won at that level that they're playing at right now. In Brian Harsian, who took Boise for many many years, Mountain West titles. And I know he had a bad run at Auburn for whatever happened there. I didn't think that was a good fit for him when he took it, but I wasn't going to blame the guy for taking the money. So how do you rebuild or uh, rehab a situation like that, Tom? You go back and do it again, right? I would love to see somebody like that come coach here at UNLV, and I think you can get him at a decent price. Whether he wants to take time off or not after the, the Auburn situation, I don't know. But I saw that name kind of peek in there, and nobody really talks about it, so – probably won't happen but uh that was my kind of like my dark horse i'd like to see gary patterson is not coming to unlv look it would be great if he did that is that is the move that i want to come on the air just as a uh, you know a fan of wanting to wanting unlv to actually succeed i want to come on the air and be like wow oh man they got gary patterson but guys when he was up for the u uh, for the nebraska job and there was a lot of rumors about that. He basically chuckled and like laughed at the idea that he would leave Texas for Nebraska. And he didn't do it meanly. It just, why would I do that? There's no way Gary Patterson is leaving Texas. An assistant coach like Texas, in Texas, the guy was, remember, he was there in TCU. Uh, he is a Texas guy for somebody that is not in a group of five schools. It's just not happening, right? I mean, if Gary Patterson wanted, he could kind of pick and choose his job. I don't think UNLV is going to be the place, again, unless they write a Colorado-sized check. What about Harzian, Tom? 69 and 19 at Boise. Won the Mountain West numerous times. Knows the conference. He's from the West Coast. Uh, probably get him decently priced. That's a good one. That's a good one. I haven't heard it, but I like your thinking. Yeah, I, That's the thing. He fits my criteria, Tim, right? I mean, my criteria is... Having have have yourself a winning program before you get to UNLV. You don't want UNLV to be the place where people make their bones, so to speak, right? You don't want that. Why? Why do you want that? You, you, it's bad situation. So no, I like your thinking there. We are up against the top of the hour. Meaning it's time for a quick timeout. When we come back in hour two, look, you know what's going to happen here. Week thirteen of the National Football League. Some big storylines heading into tomorrow's action. We'll talk about it all on the other side of the break. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. And Mateo. We'll be here on a Saturday night, hour number two. Make sure you tune in tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, for the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports, week 13 NFL Recap. 
Major League Baseball winter meetings happening this week. We'll talk about that. Uh, and before, Tommy, we, we look at the slate for tomorrow's games. Just wanted to throw out there real quick. Rebel basketball team, Tom, since we're talking UNLV to end hour one. Eight and zero with a win tonight over San Diego University. Final four bound, my friend. Eight and oh, final four bound. Oh, boy. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Re remember when the football team turned around and stacked their schedule, right? I mean, uh, no, we have the same thing going on. Stacking the schedule. Let's go. Front load it so we can get a lot of wins under our belts. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> here we go. Rebels back in action uh, the 7th. So what is that? Wednesday? Wednesday night over at the new arena in town in Henderson, the Dollar Loan Center, as they take on Hawaii. That might be a tough game, Tom. I don't know. You know, Hawaii looked terrible the other night against Texas A&M CCOG and scoring 40 points and losing that game. They looked absolutely horrible. But previous to that, I thought they looked okay. But, I mean, it's, it is really hard to look at. when You know, essentially what we're talking about is when you look at these teams, right, Tom? They're not even mid-majors. They're below mid-majors. So it's really hard to kind of dissect what you're watching sometimes. But, you know, with the with the streak the Rebels are on, looking to go 9-0, you got Hawaii coming in. It'd be an interesting game to watch, I think. Yeah, look, look I think um, I think it's a, a quote-unquote test. But it's a test that UNLV probably should win. Mm -hmm. I, I Again... I think that we went over this when we went over the schedule, right? The UNLV Rebels are a team uh, that you can you can rack up some wins. It's going to be what they do during conference play. I thought San Diego was actually a pretty good test for them. Um, we talked about it earlier. I, we both agreed that we thought San Diego, we were hoping San Diego was going to get more points. We kind of were leaning San Diego, but neither one of us made a bet on the game. And, and good thing, I mean, UNLV showed out, but... Look, I do follow the mid-majors. You know that. Southern is actually better than people give them credit for. So that that's a, a nice win. Yeah, you do have to look at them and say, yeah, that, that's a decent win. High points garbage. Incarnate Word is garbage. Minnesota win I'm not even overly impressed with. Southern Illinois is garbage. Life Pacific, Pacific are we kidding me? This was a nice win against San Diego. And, and here we go. You have Hawaii, Washington State, San Francisco, Southern Miss before you get into conference play. Southern Miss is a game that they, they'll win. Washington State's a test. Hawaii, small test. San Francisco is a test. Next three games, Tim, you go two and one. Now I could start talking about UNLV going, you know what? Let, let's start believing. You go three and oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm absolutely saying you pass some, some tests. But I think that this is the part of the schedule that we all knew was going to kind of be those, that, that question mark. Here we go. You're going to front load the schedule. Everybody had them beating Southern, Incarnate Word, High Point, Southern, Life Pacific, San Diego. Everybody had them. So Minnesota, Dayton were the only two question marks. Anybody that watched Minnesota or knew about Minnesota coming into the season, yeah, uh, that was that was a game that UNLV was going to win. Um, it was Dayton. I mean, they have one win more than I guess what we expected. I'm not getting excited yet, but I think the next – what is it, you know, 13 days is going to really be the determining factor. 
And it was a Dayton team <clears throat> that was ranked in the top 25 at the time, but didn't have their best player, Tom, and has absolutely fallen on their face because of it. So that win isn't exactly as glamorous as you would think it would be saying, hey, we beat a top 25 team. No, you beat a top 25 team that was weakened by a loss of their star player. But So just real quick, without handicapping the game officially, I try to look at strongest opponents on both teams' side. And since one of those schools you cover in a weekly podcast, in your Ivy League podcast, Tommy, and a game that we both stood, stayed up late watching one night, actually. Actually, it was really late for you to, to look at. It was, uh, I believe, when Yale went over to Hawaii to play them. That would be, I would say, their their strongest opponent so far, which they came up short in that overtime game. Um, UNLV's would have been Dayton, I assume. So uh, could, do you take any correlation out of how they played against Yale versus now two weeks later? Well, look, let's be honest. They, they were supposed to beat Yale. Um, I had Yale plus the points, and that was one of those games where I was stunned, stunned that they were – that they were getting points. Um, Yale was the better team. Yale is a team that, do I expect them to go to the tournament this year? Yeah, probably. Right? I mean, it's going to be it's going to be Yale or Princeton. Um, so, yeah. I think the better test here, Tim, for Hawaii, because you're looking at that Yale team, I think the better test is maybe against a Sacramento State team that mm-hmm. a lot of people, they, they could have lost and they won. Hawaii is a different team on the island. Hawaii is also a different team against teams that play good defense as opposed to teams that, that play good offense. It's not a good matchup for Hawaii. Um, I, UNLV should be the favorite. Uh, should be the favorite here. They're at home, and they're off of the island. They, it's not a great matchup for Hawaii. With that being said, like I said, guys, it, it, it's a situation where Hawaii has some dangerous players. Hawaii's got some dangerous flow that goes on. UNLV is not going to walk in here and just roll over them. They're just not. Or at least they shouldn't. But again, Hawaii off of the island, whatever sport it might be, whatever the reason, the travel or whatnot, they just are a different team. If this was in Hawaii, I'd be all over Hawaii. Week 13 of the National Football League. We're going to start, Tom, with... The black and blue division rivalry game here, Green Bay 4-8 and eight at Soldier Field against the Chicago Bears 3-9. and nine. Green Bay, a four-and-a-half point favorite, 10 o'clock kickoff here out west. Well, Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears, we know, right? I mean, everything is that he owns the Bears, Aaron Rodgers is going to play in this game, although he's backed up. Uh, I mean, banged up, you know, so you look at this. But while everybody looks at that, how about the – Packers defense. They allowed 400 yards of offense in three straight games. Okay. This is a team that just let the Eagles rush for 363 yards. They also let the starting quarterback run for 157 yards. Now here comes David Montgomery, who had 122, by the way, in week two against him. The Chicago offense that just absolutely rolls all over everybody. And Justin Fields is going to play. Justin Fields has just made this team an absolute nightmare for teams to match up against. The Bears' offense is fantastic. The Bears' offense has the most rushing yards in the NFL. So you have the Packers, who can't stop the run, uh, against the Bears, who are the most prolific running team in the NFL statistically. 
But the whole thing is, well, what about the Bears' defense? Yeah, the Bears' defense is going to be bad. I mean, you know, they are. Packers just put up 33 against Philly. The Bears' defense is going to be bad. They've allowed 154 rushing yards over the last two weeks. The Packers, you know, have wor- allowed worse at 225. This is going to be two teams that are going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, but going up against two very weak run defenses. I, I know that, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers and you go, he's had a bad year. You look at Aaron Rodgers' history and you say he owns the Bears. I don't think this is about Rodgers. It's about Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is healthy, the Bears are the better team. Justin Fields is healthy. The Bears win this game. I'm not fully convinced Justin Fields is totally healthy. With that being said, what's the reason for playing Justin Fields, Tom? Oh, boy. I've I've had it out with with Chicago media, with Chicago fans uh, for the last week. I don't get it. I, look, you want to play him for the rest of the year, of course. But the Bears have a bye week next week. There's absolutely no reason to play him in this game other than it's a rivalry game and the kid wants to play. I mean, and that's really what it was. He was pushing hard last week to play. He was a little annoyed that he didn't. He's the franchise quarterback. He's going to push hard again in this rivalry to play. I get it. I understand. But you have a bye week next week. So why not rest him and then come back? After the bye week, they want to see him play in games like this. They want to give him that experience. I don't agree with it at all, Tim. I think you sit him down, give him the extra bye week, make sure that he is healthy, and you treat him like a franchise quarterback. You treat him like a guy that you're building the next 10 years off of. He is right now the best quarterback in that division. Sorry, he is. And he's going to be, presumably, for the next decade or so. Why would you risk anything? It's, it, I think it's a foolish, foolish move to start him tomorrow. But I, I, I get that he wants to play, and he probably has a lot of say in that building. Jets at Minnesota. Vikings 9-2. and two, Jets 7-4. and four. Vikings coming off a big Thanksgiving Day win over – or night win, excuse me, over New England. And here we go, Tom. Uh, Jets – Coming back to earth a little bit after their their run of wins. Trying to stay pace with Miami and Buffalo in the east. Vikings cruise control on their way to an AFC, or excuse me, an NFC North Conference divisional title. They're a field goal favorite at home. Mike White, right? That's it. Everybody loves Mike White. Here we go. Uh, Mike White is just, oh man, here we go. He, he started three games. He's got three games, 30-plus points, 450 total yards of offense. Man, Mike White. Oh, Mike White this. Guys, Mike White went up against the Chicago Bears. That defense that we just went over is absolutely terrible. Here come the Vikings. Now, the problem with the Vikings is that defensively, they've allowed the 30th most total yards, which, I mean, they rank 30th. It's bad. It's really, really bad. But they've continued to go out there and absolutely just win games that maybe they shouldn't win, right? I mean, that's what they're doing. Mike White is going to be the story because he's averaging 28 points per game. Uh, You look at Mike White and you go, can he pick apart this Vikings defense? I think he's going to have a lot of success in certain areas. On the other side, I think that the Vikings can have plenty of success against the Jets, but it should be the Dalvin Cook show. One of the more interesting subplots of the entire weekend, Tim, is going to be Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner has now gone up against Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase. Those three players... Average just 56 yards receiving against him. That's pretty impressive. So Gardner against Jefferson, 
That's the subplot. I'm looking at the Vikings, Tom. The uh, assume they win tomorrow, ten and two at that point. Looking at the rest of the schedule, the way out: Detroit, Indianapolis, the Giants, the Packers, and the Bears. I mean, this team could finish with thirteen wins and be exited in the first playoff game. That we still we're still on that wave of thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I, <laughs> I don't buy into them at all. I, I absolutely do not buy into this team for as a long-term going to win in the playoffs. But it's the NFC. So there, there's got to be an asterisk there because it's the NFC. Anybody could win in the NFC. <laughs> you know? I mean, it really can. The NFC is wide open. And, and we don't know what kind of sad sack of a team is going to come in and, <laughs> and take them on. We'll stay with the NFC North Detroit home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You cat you called it last last week. Come from behind win against Baltimore. You said this could have been the Trevor Lawrence coming out party. They're an underdog again this week, Tommy. Lions one point favorite at home. I think it was the Trevor Lawrence coming out party. I, I think that what you watched and that's what you're looking for. Look, year one you're watching and hoping that your quarterback sort of looks the part. He's going to have some good games. So he's going to sort of look the part. And you want to see – you want to make sure that he's he didn't screw up in year one. We didn't really get to see that in year one from, uh, from Trevor Lawrence because of, of the situation with the coach. Then in year two, what you're looking for are defining moments. Trevor Lawrence had a defining moment, Tim. Trevor Lawrence had a defining moment – against a good team late in the game, pressure on him. He was as crisp and as good as we've ever seen him. That was his best moment in the NFL by a large margin. Now, can he build off of that? Well, look, over the last three games, Trevor Lawrence has six touchdowns, 815 yards passing, and zero interceptions. He's now going up against the Lions, who have the worst defense in the NFL. They're allowing more than 28 points per game, more than 414 yards per game, that's a, a spot where you go, wow. And people are looking at Trevor Lawrence and they're going, okay, look, the guy is 9-19 and against the spread in his career. The Jaguars are 5-14 and against the spread the last 19 games. Yeah, it's not good. But the reality is that I've been saying it all year on my Sports Garden uh, you know, podcast or even the show tomorrow morning, want to bet. Like, I've been saying it time and time again. When you look at the metrics and you look at the numbers, Jacksonville's unlucky. And there is such thing as being unlucky. Well, that luck isn't always going to be unlucky. I think things are changing a little bit in Jacksonville. And you 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 turn around, you go Detroit. You know, Detroit's going to try to get this into a shootout. Do you want to be into a shootout with a Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback that all of a sudden may have found himself? I know he had the moment last game, Tim. The moment was last game. But the last three games, six touchdowns, 815 yards, zero interceptions, that's impressive. I think you know it's funny because we were we were talking about our our weekly card over at the Super Contest and <clears throat> the team that we left off was Jacksonville and and basically the synopsis was they screwed us too many times which you know we're laughing about it but it's true and I think when you look at a team that's four and seven they they've blown so many games this year it's not like they've been blown out at all this year I think really when you look at it right have they been I don't, off the top of my head I don't think of a game where they were blown out at all. In fact, the, their wins, 
Their wins are impressive, right? Shut out the Colts. Blew out the Chargers on the road. That, that was a big win. Beat up the Raiders. And then last week's come from behind win. So their four wins are very impressive. They have seven losses. I don't think they were outplayed in any of those uh, top to bottom, except for maybe the Texan game where they just, they just didn't show up. So Peterson obviously has changed the culture in that locker room. I actually like Jacksonville tomorrow. I think they continue this momentum they're going on. And, and it's something to look forward to. If they can finish the year, Tommy, they win tomorrow 5-7, and seven, right? Tennessee is going to be a tough game on the road. Dallas will be a tough game. They finish with the Jets and Houston after that and Tennessee to end the year, which is week 18. Who knows what Tennessee's position will be. They could still win eight or nine games here, possibly, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you have a quarterback that as, as on fire as him, you asked – just how, how you know how many games look they were 0 and five in games decided by seven points before the last two and now he's won two games in a row so they were 0 and five Tim in games decided by seven points by the way the Detroit Lions they're two and five on the year again two and five on the year game is being decided by seven points or less you expect this to be a close game tomorrow and you got to love last week. I, I didn't love it as much, Tom, obviously for personal reasons, but you got to love you score the, the, the touchdown and you go for two for the win on the road. Give Your quarterback's tearing it up. You, now you're building an even bigger bond with the guy. You, you two guys are going to be tied together here for the next few years. So go for the two, go for the win, and they, they were able to do it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you know, Why not? You know what I mean? Why not establish that and, and give that to your team? And that's exactly what it was. Win or lose, that's the way you want to go about it. Next game, unfortunately, has a, a bigger story around it where it shouldn't deserve any any media time at all. But, look, we all feel, Tommy and I especially, that people who have media credentials should not. And people that have a, a nowadays computer, but uh, whether it was a pen, typewriter, before that, nothing should be spoken about Deshaun Watson tomorrow, and unfortunately it is so. We don't even need to talk about that. Let's talk about the game, right, Tom? Cleveland at Houston. The Browns 4-7. and seven. The Texans have one win on the season. Texans are, looks like an eight-point underdog against the Browns. Well, I have to talk about Deshaun Watson, and I'm not going to get on my rant of how much of a piece of garbage this guy is, but I have to talk about him on the field, though, Tim, right? Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't been on the field in a regular season game in 700 days. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are, Tim. 700 days is 700 days. His last start came January 3rd, 2021. His last win was November 26, 2020. It's going to be more than two years since he's won a game. You have to have some kind of rust. I mean, you just have to. Now, on the other side, can the Texans take advantage of this defense? I don't think so. Look, the Cleveland defense has been bad this year. It really has. But the Texans, they were able to ride Pierce, have fun with him. Oh, here we go. Pierce is going to be the guy. They've averaged under 30 rushing yards over the last two games. That's a problem. That's a big problem, right? Uh, so now you go and you go, okay, well, how much can the offense of Cleveland be more than than, uh, than Nick Chubb? Because it's going to be Nick Chubb all day. Do you let Deshaun throw? Well, if he does, he doesn't have a Joku for this game, which is a big loss. He hasn't really thrown the ball in, in 700 games, uh, 700 days. He really hasn't been involved in it. 
the Texans have played some close games this year, right? I mean, the Texans have surprised teams and, and played a relatively close situation. I know it was a lot of it was early in the year, but, but they have. They've lost six straight games. Each one of those losses has now been by seven or more points. So there's a little bit of a difference there with the Texans going, well, they played some early games, but eh, not not late games. Um, Kevin Stefanski, how he approaches this is going to be really interesting to me. But I will say this. Kevin Stefanski, since he's entered the league, one of the worst coaches against the spread with the Browns specifically. With the Browns against the spread as a favorite, Tim, he's 8-17. and 17. I think that Cleveland gets out of here with a win. But it would not surprise me to see the best game Texans played all year in this one. How about <clears throat> second play of the game? Deshaun goes out with an injury. Jacoby comes in, leads him to another win. He deserves to be the starting quarterback. He's st- they have four wins. Three of those are – I know Chubb has a big part to do with it, Tommy, but without Brissett in there, they don't win three of those four. Why Why? Why second play, Tim? Why are you giving him two plays? <laughs> Well, the first play will be a handoff to Chubb. So, you know, the second play, yeah, we, play action pass. We, we don't root for uh, we don't root for injuries, but there would be nothing better than I've ever seen, and every one of them would be fired. But first play of the game, every Cleveland Browns offensive lineman stands up, crosses <laughs> their arms, and just lets the defense hit him. <laughs> every one of them would not have a job, but every one of them would have a wife and a mother and a sister. That, that makes them out to be a hero, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. NFC East matchup in New York. Washington and the Giants. Ron Rivera's team, Tommy, has won six of their last seven, including win over the Eagles. Giants lost three of their last four. Washington, two-point favorite on the road. Big, big game here. They got these. Both these teams want to keep pace with not only Philadelphia but Dallas as well. Tim, if the playoffs ended today, they'd both be in the playoffs right now. Yeah. That, that's crazy. insane, right? New York, look, they failed to reach 100 yards rushing in each one of the last four uh, games. That, that That's a problem. Or that's a serious problem. Saquon Barkley, who uh, we talked about it, when was the workload going to be too much for him? He hasn't gone over 53 yards in any of the three losses that I just mentioned. That, that That's, again, that's an issue. When he gets to 70 yards, New York 7-1. and one. Washington comes in, it's Taylor Heineke. But it's this defense that has just stepped up. They have this eighth-best run defense in the league. I think Saquon's going to have a hard day tomorrow. And you look at Washington and you go, you know, they're playing these kind of games how they want to play. They're 8-1 to the under over the last nine games. They are a, a team that is just grinding it out, daring you to try to run, daring you to try to beat that defense that you just can't run against. And I think that the Giants are very much going to fall right into that trap. Oh, 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 we're just going to run. We're going to play a close game. This wouldn't surprise me if this was like a 17-13 type of score just because both teams are like that. I think the Giants were playing well above their heads for most of the year, and they've come back down to earth. But I also think Washington's been playing above their heads the last couple of weeks. This is one of the better games on the day. Yeah, I generally are not a fan of either one of these teams, but – I like Ron Rivera a lot. I like what he's done. I mean, look, the guy you brought in in Wentz goes out. Heineke, who I thought should have been the starter anyways, Tommy, we've seen him. What what has the guy done the last couple of years? He's taken him to the playoffs, right? A, NFC title game. Come on. Let the guy have – all he's ever done is come off the bench and win. So I, I'm glad that they stuck with him. 
They've won six of seven. I, I think they continue tomorrow. I think, you know, look, the Giants are in desperation mode, I feel like. The pressure's closing in on them. Um, that's going to be a, a fun game to watch, but what, doesn't Washington, isn't there always, doesn't it seem like there's always some type of just like a story around this team? You know, obviously Rivera was sick, and they, they made a run. Heineke comes in. They get to the game, except the only guy they got to beat is Brady to do it, and they can't do it. This year you got the running back gets shot, plays a month later. I mean, there's just seems like all the storylines are built in for Washington. Yeah, I, I, I'm rooting for them. I mean, it's a hard team not to root for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. They have every storyline. But it's hard team to not to root for the Giants, too, on, on the other side. I mean, Daniel Jones is kind of playing for his career here. Saquon Barkley's been dead and buried. You got to love Dable. I mean, the Giants are a fun team also. But when you're talking about storylines, Washington's the team. Quick side story since you brought up Daniel Jones. I was, I was in um... – I was in Anaheim a couple weeks ago, Tom, for work. And by my hotel, there was a, a card shop. So I went over, walked over just to check it out. And I'm, I'm standing there looking at these these football cards. And this guy comes in. He's like looking in the case. And he's like, oh, man, Daniel Jones. is like a, um, a uni- piece of the uniform swab that they put on the card. And I guess it was a special one. It's like 600 bucks, right? I'm like, what the heck? And the guy buys it. I wanted to say, yeah. you might as well just give me the money, man, because that's not going to be worth anything. But, you know, I get it. Everybody has their favorite players and everything. I just thought it was funny. Like, a Daniel Jones rookie card with a swab on it was $600. I was like, what in the world are we talking about nowadays, man? Yeah, that's uh, – uh, uh, well, if that's, if that's what we're, we're going for, i got to go into my attic and start digging out my cards again. <laughs> right. How about this next one? Two teams going in different directions. Um, Atlanta, just a great start to the year. Basically a team that nobody figured would be this close to 500 after 12 games. But they are kind of going on the downward trend right after that great start. They've lost three of four. They're at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looks like Tomlin's working the magic again. Tommy's basically a rebuild season. Rookie quarterback comes in in, what, week three. Kenny Pickett starting to get – development there he's getting a lot more experience getting comfortable they've won two or three pretty much should have been three of three they blew that game against Cincinnati two weeks ago they're only four and seven but like I said in the last three games they've really looked good and this is basically a I see ones and pick pick them here in this one this matchup's in Atlanta here's the problem and I agree that Pittsburgh has looked better Atlanta's lost three of the last four Atlanta's put up 18 points over the last month uh, after having a, a pretty nice offense for a little while there and being a covering machine that was 6-0 against the spread all of a sudden. It's in there 1-5 since then. So things are corrected. My problem with Pittsburgh in this game is they're coming off of a short week, which is never good. Mm-hmm. They're playing consecutive road games coming off of a short week. That's a problem. And you're playing consecutive road games coming off of a short week with a rookie quarterback. I, I, I don't love it. The Steelers also um, – Everyone except for two of their the teams they faced have rushed really well, 125 or more yards. The Falcons come in, they uh, they're a top five rushing unit. It, it's going to be can can the Steelers get by the fatigue, and that's really what it is. Playing consecutive weeks on the road hurts. Playing consecutive weeks on the road after a, after a short week 
that hurts even more. I love Tomlin, right? I mean, we love him. And on short rest, he's about a 500, uh, you know, uh, coach. And I, I get it. I am just very concerned with the rest of, of the Steelers with a rookie quarterback in there. How about the bounce back with John Harbaugh? Ravens lost their fourth game of the year last week, Tom. All four losses in the fourth quarter this season. They're 7-4 and four now. Bounce back the week after usually results in a win. And they're home. They stay home, or they go home this time with Denver coming to town. Denver 3-8 and eight on the year. And already being this Russell Wilson trade, Tom, already being labeled as the worst ever in NFL history so far. Ravens are a nine and a half point favorite tomorrow. Tim, the Ravens haven't won and covered a home game in November so, since last November. That's eight games. They weirdly just don't do well at home. <laughs> Jackson is is uh, you know at home thirteen and nineteen against the spread. He, he, they're just not good at home. And now you look at the Ravens coming in. They're taking on um, uh, you know a, a Broncos team that's just pathetic. I mean, they just are, right? Even their defense isn't great. They're 19th in run defense. So the Ravens' number two running offense is going to come in. They're going to have plenty of success. Uh, the Broncos have 14 total touchdowns this season. That's the fewest in the NFL. Um, you, you look at this game and you go, I just can't imagine, can't imagine that Denver will do anything offensively against this team 14 points per game, but their scoring defense is good. You're going to have to run the ball. Ravens like that. They definitely want to run the ball against this team. How effective late in the game are they going to be able to to go out there and cover this game? I can see Denver being a terrible situation here, being a terrible game, uh, playing a terrible game, and Baltimore controlling it, yet only winning by seven. Mm -hmm. I, I can see this being a... 20 to 14 type of win that Baltimore has clear control over because Denver's offense isn't going to do anything all day. Games like that worry me. I think this line is very inflated. It's continued to go up. Everyone's on the Ravens because of how bad Denver looks. I get it. Uh, it's a concern to me, though. I do like the under, though. If you want to talk about something, um, Denver Broncos games, going back to last year, they're hitting about 80% on the under. They're 10 and 1 on the under this season. So if you like something, you want to take something, maybe the under is the play. When you look at the Ravens, right, Tom, defense has been unbelievable here in the last month. Um, <clears throat> the problem is that, and we, you said it right after the game, you're like, maybe this is the wake-up call. How many of these do we need? <laughs> right? How many of these do we And, and the, the worst thing about it is, up until, up until Jacksonville, right, if you wanted to say, hey, look, Miami got them. That's a playoff team. Buffalo got them. That's a playoff team. Best quarterback in the league. The third loss escapes my mind right now for some reason. Um, but it was a play, it's a playoff caliber team, right? How many times do you have to say, well, this is the wake-up call. This is the wake-up call. We're running out of games, Tom. They're, you know, that for sure playoff spot, another loss. Guess what? They're not in the playoffs anymore. And, and the, the – in the in the AFC, which we talked about since the beginning of the season, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City. Look, the Chargers are healthy. They're they're right. They're a game behind Baltimore. Even the Jets are right there. So, 
this is not time to play around anymore. It's like you cannot afford any more of these mistakes. You have to win the games. You have to win. And the schedule in the second half, this is the worst part about it, Tom. The second half schedule for the Ravens is easy. It is easy. They should run through this and make the playoffs and win that division. I'm worried. Well, here's the thing. I don't think you're going to get any answers, Tim, with the Ravens. I told you this when we were going into the nice stretch of schedule for them that I, I don't think you're going to get answers. I think the Ravens going into the playoffs, and we're going to be sitting back wor- wondering, who is this team? Because you know what? You're right. They have failed tests. They have looked good at times. They've looked bad at times. Who's really their tests coming up? If they go out there and they dominate the Broncos tomorrow, does that fix things for you? No, you're going to go say it, it, it's a terrible Broncos team. That's going to be the next month of your life, Tim, watching the Ravens go out there, play well, beat teams, and and still going, ah, I have no idea, right? I mean, I just don't know um, one way or the other if this team is going to be anything. We won't know until the playoffs. Home against Denver at Pittsburgh at Cleveland, home against Atlanta, home against Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. That's the schedule the rest of the way out. Outside of Cincinnati, where's the where's the team and the game that if they win, you go, okay, I feel good about them? I don't I don't think there is one. Right. So your first game that you will eventually come to the conclusion that you feel good about your Baltimore Ravens will be in the wild card. Yeah. Or the wild card round, I should say. This should be a fun one, Tommy. Tennessee seven and four at Philadelphia ten and one. Eagles four point favorite at home. You know, for me, Eagles have looked very, very beatable in the last few weeks. Tennessee's looked very, very good in the last few weeks, and I think we're we're seeing the the situation of we already know what the, what the game plan is tomorrow against the Eagles, right? Tom is to run the ball, so. They run effectively. Not only do they think they can cover the game, I think they can win it. Eagles are explosive, though. But but Tennessee has been able to they, – they were able to hold Mahomes down. Hurts is a different animal. That's that's the matchups I'm looking at here is how big of a game Hurts uh, puts Tennessee in. And if they get ahead of Tennessee, I think that's the problem that we're gonna, we've always talked about with the Titans this year is that if they go down two scores – it's going to be hard for them to come back in that situation. But if it's close, that's that's the style Vrabel likes to play right there. Tim, I'm not sure if there's a worst team that the Eagles could have chosen to play than Tennessee. Uh, the, the the Eagles, they want to run the ball all day, right? They're averaging 162.5 yards per game on the ground. That's third best in the NFL. Well, how about the Eagles, right? They're going to run, 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 run. Well, the Titans are only surrendering 84 yards. But since week two, Tim, they have the best average run against in the NFL at under 70 yards. As a matter of fact, the Eagles rushed for more yards last week than the Titans have given up in five games combined. It's a bad matchup. On the other side, the Eagles' rushing defense, they just allowed 131.5 yards per game over the last four that's ranked 23rd in the league. Here comes Derrick Henry. And one of the injuries that nobody talks about, because I'm the only person that apparently in the entire media talks about offensive line, Titans get back their center, Ben Jones, who's the leader of that. Philadelphia, meanwhile, they lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson. So everything is pointing towards Tennessee. 
as far as that goes. I get it. You don't like to bet on Tennessee because if they do get behind, like you said, they'd have no, no ability to come back. But maybe they do. Didn't Traylon Burks look pretty good to you? And, you know, you start to look at him and you go, ah, he could be the difference maker. By the way, there's no better coach in NFL history, Tim, than Mike Vrabel when he's getting more than three points. When he's getting more than three points, he is the best coach in the history of the NFL. That's something to pay attention to. I think, too, with Tannehill in there, it's a, it's a different team late in the game. Or on a, if you're going to do the comeback trail, you want Tannehill in there, not Willis or, or whoever else they're going to put out there. Yeah, I agree uh, completely. He, he's experienced. He's not going to get rattled. And the team responds to him. Dolphins at the Niners, eight and three versus seven and four. Should be a good game too, Tom. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. There's a lot of good matchups tomorrow. This is one of them for me in the afternoon. 49ers, four point favorite. Both of these games could be Super Bowl previews. I mean, they really could. I'm really interested in this game. McDaniel's comes in. He's got that great offense against San Francisco. Uh, Miami's on five game winning streak. San Francisco's won four straight. Like he said, it, it, it's great. The Niners' defense, they're they're really, really good because what they do is they stop explosive plays. They've actually allowed a league low in explosive plays. The Niners, though, second half is is just mind-boggling how good they are. They have not allowed a point to an opponent in the last four games in the second half. That is just astonishing. But the Dolphins are a different animal. The Dolphins come in and you go, okay, here we go. The Dolphins with Tua have just been a different team. Yeah, Tua is 12-4 and four against the spread at home. He's good there. The Dolphins just continue to win. The Dolphins continue to throw the ball. Tyree Kill is the best wide receiver they're going to face. And then if you look at the Niners' schedule. They really haven't taken on and beaten a really good offense. The one issue why I'm not loading everything up, because I loved Miami, was Teron Armstead. When he went down, I watched the film last week, Tim. Teron Armstead is Miami's offensive lineman. When he went down last week, Tua got sacked four times. Now, he's gonna. there's going to be a backup in there, and not only is there going to be a backup in there, he's going to be going up against Nick Bosa. That is the sole reason why I am not going all in on the Dolphins. We've actually had a <clears throat> run of bad afternoon games the last few weeks. we got some really good games tomorrow in the afternoon. How about this one? Another playoff preview matchup. Rematch of the AFC title game last year. Chiefs at the Bengals. Patrick Mahomes 9-2. and two. Joe Burrow 7-4. and four. Chiefs are about a field goal favorite on a road, Tom. Well, Bengals get DJ Reader back. That's a pretty good situation, but I don't expect Kansas City to, to run the ball, but I certainly don't expect Cincinnati to run the ball too much. Joe Mixon's going to be out of this game. Tim, this is going to be high-flying Mahomes against Burrow, which it always seems to be. Here's the thing. Burrow has played, outplayed Mahomes every single time that they've gone up against each other. Now Jamar Chase might come back. In, in the two games against each other, Joe Burrow has averaged just under 350 passing yards a game. He's got six touchdowns in those two games. Mahomes, just above 250. 100-yard difference. He's got five touchdowns. He's actually been outplayed. Burrow has been fantastic. Burrow's also one of those guys that if he gets the time, and that's the big question, if he gets the time, well, yeah, he's going to pick teams apart, and he's been doing it without Jamar Chase. But 
Kansas City is fifth in the league with 35 sacks. All right. Cincinnati is allowed 35 sacks. That's the fifth most in the league. It's all going to come down to that. I have no doubt that Patrick Mahomes is going to be going to play well, right? I have no doubt that Patrick Mahomes is going to go in there. He's the MVP favorite right now. He's going to have a big time game against the Cincinnati team, regardless. But Joe Burrow has routinely lit up this KC team. He's come back from 14 and 18 points in games to actually go out there and win. If he can stay upright, then this game can be won by Cincinnati. It's all going to be about the pressure. Seattle trying to stay in the playoff chase, six and five, at the Rams, three and eight. Hawks are a seven-point favorite in this one. Tommy Matt Stafford looks like he's out for the year. Stafford's done. Cup's done. Allen Robinson's done. Aaron Donald won't play. Bryce Perkins, uh, you know, was averaging about four and uh, less than four and a half yards per play last week. Uh, look, Seattle comes into this game. They're gonna they're gonna score. They giving uh, they're scoring twenty six points per game. That's actually more than Cincinnati, Miami, you know, teams like that. But and, and the Rams are are thirty first in the league at allowing yards per game. But here's the thing: there's some there's some signs that Seattle might have been playing a little over their head, and people are expecting them to come back down to earth. The Seattle defense is bad. I mean, it, it, it's just flat out bad, and it's been hidden by you know Geno Smith and Walker and what they've done. But you can't get around it. It's bad. I think that they absolutely are the better team. I think that the Rams uh, are, are garbage here. I think Seattle should win the game. But I have a hard time laying a touchdown here, and it's gone up to seven, seven and a half in some spots on the road in division with a defense that is this bad. AFC West, your Las Vegas Raiders 4-7 and seven back home at Elysian Stadium. And they welcome in their nemesis, the San Diego Chargers, 6-5. and five. A win last week with the healthy team. Raiders, Tom, two wins in a row. And they are now a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And remember, the last time the Chargers were at Legion Stadium, the Raiders put them out of the playoffs. Chase. Last, these guys played a crazy game in week one. The last two that were played in Las Vegas were both in overtime. I expect the same kind of fun game. Look, you've got to look at this as the Josh Jacobs show. The Chargers are giving up about five and a half yards per carry. That's actually the worst, and it's not even the worst. That's the single worst season in the Super Bowl era if they continue this. So Josh Jacobs is going to come in. He's going to be able to run all over him. But he's been banged up, right? I mean, he's been hurt. And, oh, by the way, for whatever reason, Josh Jacobs is not good against the Chargers. The Chargers have a terrible run defense. He was up to 57 yards rushing in week one. And you go, oh, well, you know what? It was early in the season, and new coach, well, it, it – 73 and a half yards per game is all he's done against the Chargers in his career. So I think it has to be the Josh Jacobs show, but he's shown that he can't really be effective against the Chargers. Justin Herbert, by the way, all of a sudden, here we go. In the last two games, 600 total yards, five touchdowns. He's got 13 touchdowns and one interception in his career against the Raiders. So it has to be the Jacobs game, but Justin Herbert has proven that this is his game. He wants to go out there. He performs the best in this spot. I think that the Raiders can win this game. I think that the Raiders should win this game. But I don't know how healthy Josh Jacobs is going to be. I I just don't trust McDaniels to just run him all day long. I do know that Justin Herbert's going to play well. I expect Justin Herbert to fling the ball all over the field. 
it's going to come down to can Jacobs get the running game going. And the Sunday night or Indianapolis short rest Monday night game at Dallas. Cowboys 8-3. and three. Yeah, You know, right behind Philadelphia there. I mean, if things go well tomorrow, Dallas will be a game behind at the end of the night. But they're a double-digit favorite in this one. Yeah, look, they got 10 days rest. Uh, although the stats show that guys, teams that are on 10 days rest against teams with a regular week are actually 15 games under 500 uh, against the spread, which is, is crazy. But this is the Dallas defense, right? I mean, it's Dallas defense all day long. How good can they be? They are fantastic, their defense. But they do have an Achilles heel, Tim, and that is you can run on them. They allowed teams twice this year run more than 200 yards on them. Now, they lead the NFL in sacks, so Matt Ryan will be under duress, right? Matt Ryan's been sacked 32 times in 10 games. That's going to be a, a difference. But if they can get the Jonathan Taylor running game going, that can be effective against a Dallas defense that can't stop the run. On the other side, Dallas is averaging 170 rushing yards in those last four games. It's going to be Zeke. It's going to be Pollard up against an Indianapolis defense that just flat out doesn't have the dogs to stop them. So I think Dallas wins. They probably win comfortably, but the idea that Jonathan Taylor could go off and keep this close, it's in the back of my mind. Any thoughts on the Thursday nighter Buffalo 24-10 win at New England? Yeah, look, I'm not making too much about it for either team. Uh, I think that it's a good win for Buffalo. They still didn't look as crisp as I think that they need to if we're talking about big things like a Super Bowl. Buffalo struggled at times a little bit. It wasn't, oh, New England's got this great defense. No, they kind of shot themselves in the foot, but it's a good win on the road. Now you have 10 days to kind of heal up and get everybody back in sync. I think it, it works out perfectly for them that they wound up playing on a Thursday right at this point in the season. As far as the Patriots go, it was almost a must-win game, but I think that we see the limitations on the, on, on the Patriots. The Patriots are a team that, that they're good. They're a, a fringe playoff team. They're going to have games where they're going to look great, but they're not ready to beat a team like Buffalo. They're just not ready to do that, even in a, a big spot where they were at. We have to reassess our image of New England and who they are. I think New England's a good team. I think that they might still make the playoffs. But generally speaking, who New England's been since Tom Brady's left is that they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They lose to the teams that they're supposed to lose to. That makes them about a 500 ball club. I noticed for Buffalo, because we had been talking about Josh Allen the last few weeks, no interceptions. And when he got in the red zone, they scored every time. Just uh, two, including two touchdown passes there. So he appears to be back, Tom. Yeah, and, and look, maybe he's not back to being the MVP, but he's back to being efficient, right? And, and that's fine. Being efficient is is what we want to see out of Josh Allen. We know he's got uh, – I mean, he made the best throw of the night, and it was called back on digs in the end zone. You know, uh, They were raving about it in the booth. He's got all the talent. It's a matter of can you play within yourself. Well, it comes to the free play portion of the show, Tom. You've been absolutely on your other show. I don't think you've lost in the last two months. So give me a winner for tomorrow, Tom Barton. Look, I'm 7-0. The last seven free plays that I've given, last seven weeks. Over that seven weeks, I've won with the Tennessee Titans twice, Tim. 
I'm taking them again here. Give me Tennessee plus the five and a half. I, I just look at this as a matchup nightmare. And for somebody that watches film like I do, Philadelphia should struggle all day long stopping the Tennessee rushing attack. And Philadelphia has to run the ball to be effective. The Tennessee run defense is for real. It's really, really good. And you have the Vrabel angle. Mike Vrabel is the best. It's not second. It's not up there. No. The best underdog of more than three points since he's come into the league. Tennessee might lose. Tennessee might, might, might you know, look bad at times. But you're giving me five and a half points in a game where I actually kind of like the money line? Yeah, give me Tennessee. You want the Timmy teaser, Tom? Of course we do. Yeah. Eight and four. We've won three still, in a yeah, row now. Still, still winning, right? Still making Eight and four. Money. Won three in a row. And I think we're going to have a good day tomorrow. I like Tennessee as well, except for I'm getting 12 and a half. And I'm going to put that on a card with Baltimore minus two and a half. So we just got to win. Give me the Ravens in a blowout, minus two and a half. And give me the Titans, as you said. I like a money line as well, but I'll take the 12 and a half all day long, my man. Yeah, I, the Titans are just that team that <clears throat> I, I can see them really, really, really starting to gel here. Cold weather. You know, they're built for this time. We're build, built for getting a nap in as uh, you got football coming up here in about, where are we at, 10 hours from now. I got some work to finish up. Then I jump in the car, listen to the podcast every Saturday night. You know that happens. Talk about not only the podcast, but the YouTube, the website, and more, Tom. Yeah, guys, listen, it's TomBartonSports.com. You want to jump on board. I, I had a guy jump on board this week. He put a three-day package with me, which is only $25. He put a three-day package. Uh, I went three and one with him. He turned around. I, he didn't re-sign up for the major, for the, for the, the $200 deal for the, for the big package. So I wrote him. I said, everything okay? He's like, I just was assuming the sales pitch. There is no sales pitch. Just sign up. Yeah, we got him back on. It's TomBartonSports.com. Listen, tomorrow morning, I'm going to have Alan Stiles from 95.7 The Game to talk about that San Francisco-Miami game, which could be a Super Bowl preview over on Sports Garden Network. Want to bet? And go check out the podcast. Want to bet? Uh, Wagering Week. Believe in betting on the Believe Podcast Network. And anybody that likes college basketball, believe in the Ivy League on the College Basketball Believe in the Ivy League Podcast Network. Tom, we're back at it tomorrow night, man. Till then, good luck tomorrow. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. For Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com, Mateo, Tim Unglesby, have a great rest of your night. Have a great sports Sunday. We're back at it at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a good one. Oh,